recorded during the plague year 2021. This is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And like a virus spreading all over Jim's other shows, me, Ethan McKinley of the Two Minute Terminator podcast, and here I am again, <laughs> infecting the airways with my lack of knowledge as I asked Jim to enlighten me. <laughs> Ethan, you are you are the best. You are you are the the most excellent raconteur I have. This on is the, the show, kind right? of love I need, Jim. My dad left when I was five, and I do appreciate it. Thank you. Keep going. Well, any any therapy we can do while the world while the world is ending around us here in the, in this particular minute. Um, we watch. Uh, gosh, they always make wrong turns in this in this show. It they they run. Uh, this is everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, Hall is getting out his anti-nuclear bomb key as they go running toward uh, the doors that are closing. And they the choice there is go left or go right. He goes right, and uh, sure enough, the door closes in front of him. And they should have gone left, which was right outside the right outside where they were. And they would have <laughs> made it. They would have made it, but he, he had to go right instead of, he you know, this guy just, lady or tiger, he doesn't know how to do it. I love the way uh, as well, for like uh, expositional, not dialogue here, but for like, I guess, the less enlightened in the audience, they've literally written with a, with a pen, felt tip pen or something on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the big arrow pointing to the thing that's been ripped off the wall. Yeah, you screwed up. This isn't here. Yeah, coming soon. <laughs> I wonder, if, did they do that before they tore it off the wall? This was here or... This is the thing you need, and then someone stole it after the fact. Interesting. <laughs> well, they they said at the begin at the beginning that they were, they found out that there were some shortfalls to their uh, to their system, but they were installing things. The soon, lab you know, not being properly signposted, so we used the biro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got a sharpie in your pocket. Yeah, okay, write write this out. And uh, yeah, off someday and this will... the nuclear bomb in biro. There we go. <laughs> install install world savings with your probably not. Uh, <laughs> So, so anyway, we've, we've learned that they've, they've run, they, they've, they've, they've run out of options here. And now uh, we finally find out what that one clock does. It's a countdown clock. <laughs> yeah, but I was, yeah, that's in my notes, but it's already working in the previous lathering already moving, isn't it? So what? Yeah. Well, okay. oh no. yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's all kinds of countdowns going on. Maybe there's, there's a people... police siren. The cops are coming apparently, according to the siren, to my English ears. That's like an American yeah. police siren. Yeah, it's uh, it's all that big that big whale that goes up and down and up and down. And um, Robert Wise as well, big fan of clocks. He's got two more clocks in between the two men. I'm not sure if this is some kind of tone poem that he's trying to make some kind of commentary on mortality. And it's always the two men. This time they're on opposite sides of the screen, but the clocks are there in between them. I don't. Yeah, know. and and it's got to be you know, and, and it all lit, lit, lights up. Now, if you're having a countdown, wouldn't you have the clock racing toward? The, the top, I would think yeah. that you wouldn't be counting down, you know, counting up. Yeah. It should no. be counting down. It's already down. gone through the red at that point, but it goes ka-ching, and it reverses then or resets itself and then starts. Yeah. And this is literally, you know, the the ticking clock trope that is in so many different movies. Do you have a favorite ticking clock? Do you have like like things that you have to get done in a certain amount of time that, well, that, that are yeah. in movies? I was going to say Ridley Scott, you little sneak. Uh, isn't, did no one sue Ridley Scott, Robert Wise? It sounds like the mother countdown from Alien, which I guess is yes. my famous and beloved countdown but it sounds very similar uh to mother yeah. i always thought oh, aliens the ingenuity all this stuff was never seen before so like, hang on what <laughs> did it 10 years before almost yeah, Andromeda a, a decade of plagiarism. It, it it was far away enough that nobody would remember so he would it would sound like it was new and i like his key his nuclear key which looks very similar to to a a, a kazoo 
I think. If yeah, I... it's all that that brushed aluminum and uh, nice and nice and red, and it's got I mean, like it's the second uh... thirty-two. Sorry, viewers, if you're watching, yeah. it, it looks like he's holding an an orange, a metallic red kazoo. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like something that you'd use to like pop the lid off of a, uh, <laughs> a you know, a... Yeah, it's, some something that's hard like to yeah UPS box opener now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have a razor blade on either. I now I want one. Now I want a razor blade on the inside that you can cut open your FedEx things and. Oh well, some someday. Um, but there's yeah, there's a market there. Um I was gonna say, and, Jim, you mentioned sorry in the last episode that uh Universal has this lab war with the door in it and you've seen it in like is it Columbo or something? Yeah, Columbo had, they, had it. Is do the corridors are they including that? Is that an old Star Trek set or is it used in other movies? Uh, this was made no, for the movie. Uh, this has been in other movies. I think it was in a Rockford Files, also oh A Team. There's a couple of different places where they've they've reused this, they've repainted it and but it's, it's you know, Genesis essentially was from this film or it was made for this film, or even though it goes yeah, in, the, before back before this this was when they spent the cash on it but okay. i think they they managed to uh you know, I do totally like depreciate it. It. i have to say weirdly because i was going to say we mentioned in the last episode that future shock movie i mentioned that actually you're bloody in he's doing more, more blockbusters than i have listeners <laughs> uh i was going to say uh this the production design even though it's like an earlier film it looks i think the only problem i have i love logan's run i grew up watching it it's one of my most beloved cypher films but i think there's a distinct half well, the split in the 70s filmmaking where films look kind of like rather chintzy and kitsch, 1976, a year later after Logan's run, you get Star Wars, which was like super realistic, lived in universe. It's almost like production design and filmmaking had a rebirth return. I guess it's kind of that, that the, the brash young Turks filmmakers like Scorsese, Spielberg, Lucas, etc. But uh, this doesn't look as kitsch, I was going to say, as Logan's run, but Logan's run came after this. Logan's run looks super chintzy, cheap, and like, you know, yeah, like weird futuristic. I love it for that. So yes, Jim, I was going to say there's like this definite split in like filmmaking. You've got this very like kitschy kind of 70s thing. And then it becomes like almost like an entire new level of filmmaking. I mean, I say this because Logan's Run looks so cheap, but it came after. And Andromeda Strain looks great, but I'm yeah. not sure if it's the director or the production design or, but there's like a very distinct difference between like, Almost like it was originally 3D, then then just went to 4D from all these like great young filmmakers. I'm not sure it's just the old guard, Robert Wise and whoever. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, and it's still. I mean, like this was mostly done in studio. They're they're built. They built an entire set on these things. But if you think about, um, I'm gonna say a movie that I hope you saw. <laughs> hope you saw the movie. Um, but the uh, the 1972 film that followed this a year later, also Universal Pictures, mm. uh, uh, Silent Running with a. Uh, Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern, Sonny? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at you from my rodent lips. Yes. He has a very distinct facial expression, doesn't he? With all, all his acting, Bruce Dern. I love him. And I love yeah, I, uh, Douglas Trumbull's silent running. He's like, what's that, Sonny? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Huey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But Huey, yeah, that's yes, the precursors of R2-D2 as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that whole scene... I mean, there was a there was an effort there that it felt. I mean, part of it was filmed on an on a, a, a dis um, what do they call it a, a decommissioned uh, uh, battle cruiser, the, uh, the the Valley Forge, and you know they they managed to use equipment that made it look like it was yeah you're in a very heavy space freighter, mm. um, but uh, the you know that I think that attention to detail on that which was missing in. Yeah, you know, I was in I was in Logan's run, but I didn't. All right, like... we get it, Jim. For I God's didn't. Sake. Yeah, I, every I, episode, I, listeners. Oh my God! I, All right, <laughs> I'm I I didn't particular. I didn't particularly like the. Uh, what were you wearing uh, in that, by the way? Uh, I was wearing a green tunic <laughs> and. You must green have pictures, surely. I mean, this probably come up on the no. show with other people asking you. 
No, this is before this is before people carried cameras around everywhere. Okay. You know, it was like I was in Dallas and they they were signing people up and they had a big crowd scene and you had to be thin and young. And I was back then I was thin and young. So, uh, yeah, no, I got in. I, and I, the, the thing that I learned about that is how they handle crowds. And I never knew how they you know, like like when you get people to, to walk around and stuff. Mm. Well, uh, Jenny Agater and uh, Michael York are telling people, you don't have to die. You don't have to go to carousel. <laughs> they were trying to, they were trying to have some people turn around and listen to, to, to them. And so as we're all walking toward the back wall, a uh, guy on a megaphone says, okay, everybody born in January, turn around. And it never hit me. That's like the perfect random thing. It's like, if you're born in January, that gives you one twelfth oh, yeah. of a crowd and it's perfectly distributed. So they said, okay, everybody born in February, March, and April, turn around. You know, and and it was like, that's how you get a crowd to do Brand, what you want. Almost controlled Brand, randomness, yeah. Yeah, wow. and it was just, I, I was like, that never hit me. How do you do <laughs> So uh, anyway, that was that was my exciting time in uh, back, back when the world was young. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, and you know, they filmed it for about, I'd say about two or three hours. And then we mm. had to turn in our, we had to turn in our, uh, our little, costumes which were nothing more than a basically a big sheet yeah. with a hole cut in it I mean, i've had halloween costumes that are better than that but it was yeah it was, it was fascinating um and they never asked me back so oh well that happens around um, every set as well jim don't worry about it <laughs> you have a kindred spirit <laughs> i did i did get to, they did give me lunch I, I i that was my first uh my first interaction with craft services and uh, i had a i had a turkey turkey sandwich on a roll it was very good nice um, and, uh, and a Dr. Pepper cause we were in Texas and that's, that's what you drink here. You drink Dr. Pepper. Oh, so okay. uh, what's the reason behind that then? Cause, cause it's, owned, it's was it owned by the Coca-Cola company then or not? No, no. It's, uh, made in Waco, Waco, Waco Texas, home of, uh, home <laughs> yes, of Dr. Pepper. No, not the school. That's, that's Dallas. I'm Dallas, thinking yeah. of uh, David, no, you're thinking David Koresh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Drinking David Dr. Koresh. Peppers and starting he, a cult. I love it. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way you do it. Drink Dr. Pepper, you know, <laughs> be a pepper. That's what they call it. So, um, anyway, that was, yeah, that was, but, but things, uh, but like, you, as you were saying that Logan's run kind it was of was like the end dip. of an era, wasn't it? In terms of yeah, like, yeah. It was like those really bad plastic models that they were, you know, you had to have Lucas and Spielberg up the game. And then of, of course, you know, when you're watching Dan O'Banion's, uh, you're, you're watching Ridley Scott and, mm. uh, and alien alien was so, had such a lived in harsh universe that you saw in other movies like Blade Runner and yeah. stuff. It's just, it, it's, it made all that possible. It and, almost legitimized sci-fi. I think Logan's run to name a few. They, I guess they didn't give them their due. I think the last major sci-fi that they kind of gave care and attention to, which even now is dated anyway, I guess is planet of the apes that they gave any kind of like, uh, you know, respect to when they were making the film. Yeah, and then I think yeah. it was just like, oh, this will do. Just do it cheaply. We'll put it out on a Friday and try and make a few shekels, and then we'll forget about it. And then literally, like a year later, it's like night and day the difference in terms of quality filmmaking. And then they started, like you said, spend money and like Alien, Blade Runner, Star Wars, Close Encounters, it, and then Indiana Jones, all these like high concept, you know, sci-fi fantasy films. It was quite a remarkable. It's, it's literally, I think. Maybe your nerve and era, perhaps as we went to talkies, maybe to color when there was like there was a film one year this way, and then a film that year looked like it was from a well, a different planet almost. Excuse the pun, but like literally, just a totally different experience in presentation and you know filmmaking. Very very strange to me. Yeah, it w and it's amazing that it wasn't like slowly turning a knob. It was more like throwing a switch. Yeah, like all of a sudden everybody had to be that way. I yeah, mean, you had to, you had to do. 
you had to change or you weren't going to get anybody coming to, you know, mm. what happens is the low budget effects became a farce. So you wind yeah. up with things like uh, battle beyond the stars, but that was supposed to be that way. You yeah. Know? It's like you, you well, I mean, it. bring Robert Wise back into it. I guess it was the old guard fading out, wasn't it? But they, they brought Robert Wise back for the motion picture, Star Trek, the motion picture in 1979, right. but then they complained that was too ponderous and, cerebral like the andromeda strain and not like this zip bang pow buck rogers style filmmaking that i guess star wars ushered in yeah they wanted more pew 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 unless uh you know just uh... i love the motion picture though i mean i i think we discussed this maybe on another show maybe on this show when i did 13 14 15 it's all i work. list some of my favorite films on my top 20 and there's two or three robert wise ones in there day the earth stood still uh west side story star trek motion picture so i don't know yeah, and yeah. I mean, you can even see it in in between the Star Treks, so you know, like the motion picture yeah. in 79, and then you get to 81, 82, and all of a sudden, Ratha Khan has a whole different look, mm. and it's a lot more dynamic, and it, you know, and they, they what they did was they stopped using Robert Abel's mm. uh, uh, special effects of this ponderous, you know, big, heavy machines. I don't know, and that, that in, kind of that pass around the Enterprise is still amazing. I think, I think, was it Douglas Trumbull as well that was involved in that? They right, of, uh, yeah. It was shot on 70 millimeters, so it still looks amazing even today. Yeah, so. but, but the speed of it, the, you know, like like the, the speed of showing, you know, we have to watch this rivet by rivet of inspection, which is a great scene, mm, but, but it's it, six didn't, minutes. <laughs> it didn't, yeah, it didn't fit with the times though. The times that we were, we were watching this, we were watching, you know, at the same time this is out, we're watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and these lightning fast cut, 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 cut mm. things um, that we're getting the impression that you got to pick up the pace. You got to, you got to show, and it's it also, die, essentially as a filmmaker. Yeah, and it has to look good. There's no, there's no more excuses for. Well, it's, it's just a, you know, a yeah, crummy it's a sci-fi, model. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, it, Robert Wise, I think he was very careful with what he could do, but he wasn't in charge of, but he wasn't in charge of special effects when he was mm. doing the motion picture. So he had all these fights with Abel and Associates and things like that, trying to get stuff working, and you know, it didn't work. So then he had to go with Trumbull. I think he had some map painting issues as well with Vija, didn't he? I think there's a there's a set in the middle they're sat standing on, and I think the I think some of the map paintings. I think I need to go back and watch my making of, but I think he was having a few issues with the uh, the you know the special effects crews, but also the map department. But I think it was like you said, perhaps he's from a different era of filmmaking where it's just like all these you know young Turks are in. It's just like just we know what we're doing, relax. And he's like, no, no, no. yeah, so. Yeah, and I mean, I know you also see. I mean, the the, the forgotten one in there is uh, Walt Disney's The Black Hole, which is just... well, that was a kind of blip. I love The Black Hole. I think that is actually the first film I saw at the cinema. My mother says stars, but I think I've been two, so I'd probably actually be too young to have seen that and actually taken it in. So it's either Battlestar Galactica nineteen eighty, which they glued two TV episodes together, made a film, or The Black Hole. But yeah, that wasn't very good special effects wise. I think. Yeah, it, I mean, it had the, the whole Ellen Shaw look. It, it looked like a Disney version of yeah. of Star Wars. And Harrison was, Ellen yeah. Shaw, is that correct? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Peter Ellen Shaw, I think, His worked son, on it I think as well. on Tron as well. That's where right. I know from, yeah. Yeah, and then and, and Tron, which was very experimental, uh, you know, coming out of the same studio within, what, a year and a half of each other? Mm. So it's, you know, it's it's amazing how much of a, how much in flux the whole industry was in the late seventies. And at the time we weren't realizing how much was going to change, mm. but uh, you know, here we are. I mean, I think we've mentioned this before and perhaps on the best minutes podcast where it's like the studio system was kind of breaking down in the sense that they couldn't rely on Westerns as their cash cow. I guess they were like the superhero Marvel movies of their time. It was like the biggest genre and then it all just, the bottom fell out of it. 
I think a lot of the studio heads began to die off, like the Xanax and the Browns started to fade out and things. And then, I think, yeah, the like, sword, the yeah. swords and sandal movies went yeah. away, and all, yeah, and other big corporations bought the studios, and they were kind of, I guess, trying to find their identity. And I think that's when Lucas Spielberg and all those guys kind of snuck in and kind of like shook up filmmaking, didn't they? But I think God Godfather's seventy one, isn't it? So yeah, so yeah, it's, it's all yeah. arriving. And just the the the, I think we yeah you know, I mean and this and then there's also the new blockbusters the idea of coming out in a summer with a great movie yeah. you know like like Jaws yeah. and, and stuff like that and then having to follow up with somewhere on the Memorial Day weekend you're going to have to come out with a really big film yeah and and it's changing all the time I mean right now we're seeing more changes here where the theater system's going away mm. that we're everything is being turned from uh, movies aren't the way to make to to make you know to tell stories it's all going toward small series or or large story or filmmaking yeah. that might yeah. have been actually in as well because i mean podcasting they're like oh no one's gonna listen to an hour of this or three hours of that but i think there's a hunger for that isn't it i think maybe people's like you said taste are changing visually as well where they prefer a series where you can let a, a story breathe and you know de develop characters over like certain episodes as opposed to trying to squeeze it into three hour movie but i know yeah. spielberg's pushing back against i'm not going to put my film on streaming because he's done the remake to bring it back to robert, robert wise again he's done west side story that's sitting in a vault somewhere waiting to come out what's happening with cameron you can't really release avatar any other way i'd imagine and i think christopher nolan dug his heels and went i want tenet to come out in the theaters and it kind of did okay half bombed i think yeah, and so, it, it's—I yeah. mean, it, the money talks is what's going to happen. And yeah. if you can't, you know, if it, if they're not making money, even a Spielberg can't get the can't get it pushed through. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, but you know, on the upside of it is we're seeing a lot more content. We're mm. seeing content on platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these other ones. I think the only problem that, with that is Jim that like there's so much stuff. Not everyone's seen anything. So someone's going, "Oh, have you seen this show?" Like my fr my friend Haynes is in that show Pennyworth. No one's yeah. seen it hardly because it's on the Stars Network. So yeah, I think I said yeah. before on another show we did, like uh, he should be famous now, signing autographs and doing like interviews in Premier Magazine, but no one's seen it because it's on like a, a, a like a lesser known streamer. So no one I know, I've seen it. It's a great show, but no one I know has seen it. So I mean, this is must be the story with a lot of things. There's more chances out there and more content, but it's now all disparate and people have their favorite thing over here, but no, no one else has seen it. So you can relate to it. Like we're bonding over Spielberg, Robert Wise, all these old movies. I don't think you'll have that as much in ten or twenty years' time. Yeah, it's gonna. I mean, like, there's a few that may be something common. Like, like we're seeing that with the Marvel franchise. Yeah. We're seeing it with now. We're seeing with the with the Star Wars franchise of the Mandalorian that mm. people can talk about those two things. But other than that, you're really not seeing people talking. I mean, there's there's niches. There's um. But to, I, mean, to, I mean, folks. So that's Star Wars, and that's tied back to prior generations. That's why it's kind of like as a special place in one's hearts. But go on another twenty years. And they'll have made so much Star Wars content that will have diluted into non myth and legend, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but but you see things like, uh, mm. you know, there's there's flesh in the pants stuff. Like, look at Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones went on for years. Yeah. People, everybody had to tune in and watch the next episode of yeah. Game of Thrones. Once they finished the series, it's forgotten. And H yeah, HBO is talking about, well, we're going to have a prequel. And it's like, nobody's interested. No, nobody cares. Yeah. It's done. We've seen that. It's over. <laughs> So it's, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it didn't have legs. And I, I think that's what's happening with Avatar. Everybody loved, you know, Avatar, you have to go see Avatar, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, Disney was building an, an Avatar world in their, um, yeah. you know, in, in their theme park. And it's like, well, sure, you can come out with another movie, but what are you going to talk about? What are you going to do? What, how can you entertain us with the same old stuff? Mm. Well, that being said, and in defense of James Cameron, because I see this on lots of forums, Jim, Cameron made his bread and butter making a sequel 
Well, no, he, uh, what was it? He made the Terminator. That was his yeah. first film. Uh, and then he made a sequel to a film. No one thought was, should be done. It's like doing, Oh, we need a sequel to Mary Poppins. You don't touch alien. Uh, he did that. He did it with Terminator two. Every time he makes a, a follow on from his original concept or someone else's, he always knocks it out of the park. So I can only imagine he's, I, I hope I say, what am I talking He might've dropped the ball at this point. I don't know. But every time, never, I always say never uh, count out Jim Cameron because he always has something special to see. When he can make that work for three or four more films, that's the question. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still waiting on Son of Titanic, but, you know, it, someday. It, uh... I have come back from the depths to, to save you, Rose. <laughs> what? What movie is this? Doesn't matter. Come with me if you want to not freeze to death. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're still talking about we're still talking about uh, Andromeda Strain somewhere in here. We're uh, well to mention Robert Wise again, Jim. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the cinematography and staging of this? Because I think did Robert Wise dally between television, between movies, or is he just an exclusive like film director? Because I, I know Richard Donner and things came out of like doing the Twilight Zone and things like that. In fact, he did. He did. Was it Terror Twenty Thousand Feet, the William Shatner classic? Yeah, yeah. Did Robert I, Wise do any of that kind I of stuff? Sci-fi television. Don't... I think Wise pretty much stuck with film projects. I don't. He may have. He may have done television. I haven't looked. I haven't or did he begin? In, I guess he maybe started in the forties. I'd imagine, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's back with you know back in the days of uh, Citizen Kane. Up the movies, so, but, yeah, he was yeah. an editor first, and then you know, and so when he tells stories, he tells stories so that he has the coverage to edit into yeah. it. And I think that's that's what you're when you look at him cutting this. I mean, he didn't cut it, but his his editor did. But he you can you can see the direct the director as editor in this mm. scene there's so many beautiful cuts back and forth he he heightens the pace because it's got because a flow it, to it they get to that door it opens they go through to the lab and they see the lady holding the baby and stuff yeah and so yeah and it's yeah it's it's very rapid the uh the ca very few camera movements he keeps it very uh tight and whenever he wants to point out something of interest he does a close up. He has some. He has a character look at something. Then he shows a close up of what the character's seeing. Then mm -hmm. he cuts back to the reaction. So we're seeing that with we see that with Stone here when uh, the when geography of the scene I think flows. I think a lot of filmmakers of today have forgotten that. I think the Bourne movies have a lot to answer all these fast cuts and you can't see what's going yeah. on. Things, yeah, and and, and he also uh, you know honors the axis. You never cut across the axis when you're when you're filming. So you're always. Uh, he's on the inside wall when he's looking down one way, and he's on the Sorry, outside wall. Can you wall explain the axis to me? Because I've always heard this mentioned, and I should know this. I'm a film buff, but is it just imagining the okay. camera couldn't be there because it would be let's, in the middle of a wall? Is that correct? Let, yeah, it, yeah, it will. No, no. What what it what it is is let's let's use the uh, soccer. We'll use a uh, British football. Something <laughs> I know nothing <laughs> about the camera. <laughs> well, when you're watching when you're watching a football match, yes, and you have um, I don't know the team. So let's say we're Twickenham versus. Uh, Manchester, yes. your Twickenham's on the left hand side of the screen, and Manchester's on the right hand side of the screen. Right now, if you're showing the action, and all of a sudden Manchester's on the left hand side of the screen, it mm. seems like everybody's changed. So the problem is you got to stay on the same side of the field right. when you're showing this. Much like a play, a stage play, you don't cross over to the back of the stage when you're watching a play. Yeah. So if you watch in this scene, this particular scene we're watching. The two of them, they run toward the camera, they run back away from the camera, but we never go behind them so that we've crossed the axis. We're on the, you know, suddenly they're on the wrong side. Right. We, we understand where, where they're at when they run back and forth. And it's, it's a very difficult when you're, when you're filming stuff, if you're, if you're not used to filming this, a lot of 
uh, beginner filmmakers will cross the axis. And when you try to cut it later, you're like, wait, why is he on the left-hand side of the screen? How did he get over there? Okay, so yeah, you mess up. So yeah, okay. You have to, now you can cross the axis, but the way you do it is you have an intermediate thing where you're standing, you're, you're standing as they're facing you. And then you go to the next scene and then, then they reverse. And that's, that's what he does here, but he's been trying to keep, he tries to keep uh, Stone on the right-hand side of the screen and Hall on the left-hand side of the screen. Right. So, uh, so they're always they're, that's that's where we're expecting to see them whenever we cut back. So you'll see Hall's on the left, Stone's on the right. Understood. And uh, it's a simple thing, but if you, you and audiences don't notice it until you, you don't break notice that rule. it, but your brain does on some level. It just feels or looks wrong. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a. Uh, it's interesting. And I just realized it's a very subtle split diopter around second 42. Yep. Hall's looking in close up and uh, it's, it's, it's very subtle, but uh, you know, God love. Uh, oh, actually, his hand prostrate. I'll be, I just skip back and see that. Hang on. When he puts his hand up, there we go. Oh no, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He just, and it's, it's, a, it's a simple thing, but you know, an old hand like Robert Wise knew, Oh wait, we got to move the camera here, move the camera there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's and like the only time we see them cross that is when he's running back to the uh, examination room, the miscellaneous room. Uh, he's behind him, but he still manages to cross over to the right hand side because that's where we're used to seeing <laughs> Dr. Stone. Um, I've just noticed just, as well, Jim. Sorry. Like, again, yeah, like the th like the like the sand pebbles, uh, the curse of the cat people, magnificent yeah. Ambersons. Any shot additional scenes for that? But that was his directorial debut of sorts. So I guess that's second unit. Yeah, so he's like, yeah, first AD Boris, or yeah. Yeah, second AD. Yeah. Boris Karloff, like, so those are the early ones. Daily Esther still. Sound of Music. I mean, I think we talked about this before, but like, what a fantastic uh, resume. Yeah, and, yeah. and all different genre. You know, he knows mm -hmm. he knows how to tell a story no matter what's involved. Even here, you know, I mean, think about this. He's filming this, uh, what, five years after uh, mm. Sound of Music. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's no <laughs> singing. There's no, you know. It's uh, but he's he's right on it, and uh, well, interestingly, Jim, I think as we just discussed to speak to that point, Star Trek the Motion Picture, he kind of dropped off. He didn't make another film until Rooftops, nineteen eighty nine, a full ten years later, and then in two thousand, he did one more thing in two thousand eleven years later. Wow, so that was kind of him done, I think, when he did Star Trek. I wonder if that was just like the, maybe the the stress of making the next level of filmmaking required. And he just went, you know what, I've had my day, I'm done. I don't know. I. I was fortunate enough a couple many years mm. ago to talk with uh, George Takei mm. about after shortly oh after um yes exactly he uh <laughs> short shortly after they finished filming um Wrath of Khan yes and I I asked him I said you know you worked with Nicholas Meyer and you worked with Robert Wise and what's what's the difference between the two of them and he said Nicholas Meyer uh, is very familiar with like TV speed and he goes you know it's like okay we got those shots done Let's get, you know, next setup, next setup, next setup. He said, that's, he said, and he's, and George, I said, he said, I've worked in television. He goes, that's what I'm familiar with. He said, I, I'm very familiar with how to, you know, you've got to get this all done because you've got a day to do this scenes. You've got a day to do this other thing. And Nicholas Meyer is like, boom, 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 boom. Get it all done. He said, Robert Wise, he said, when we're Robert, Robert Wise sits down and has a discussion about every scene that we're doing and what he wants to get out of the scene. He said, he feels... He said it felt like we were in a seminar on how to do how to make a movie, right. and um, yeah. he said it's a very different style than what he was used to. And yeah. it took it took a while for him to get used to the way Robert Wise directed versus the way Nicholas Meyer did. 
Yeah. I think it's somewhere in between those two styles as well. I think the Alien cast complained that Ridley Scott didn't kind of give them any kind of like, uh, you know, attention to do with their characters. He was like, just get it done. I'm, I'm, he's focusing on his performance, as he calls it, making the film look amazing and stuff. And he didn't yeah. have time to have a heart to heart with the actors. So I think uh, it is funny yeah. all these different styles. There's no kind of right or wrong way of doing things. It's just like the clash of personalities, the styles of acting, like what George Takei said was used to with Robert Wise and then, or not used to role wise that he he found I guess some common ground or some familiarity with Nicholas Meyer. Now, yeah. now you must have you must have um, different different directors that you've worked with that yeah. you felt some some are giving lots of direction and some are okay go and then sometimes they try and just do it like this and that's I think Anthony Hopkins has mentioned this. He's like if you leave me to do my job, but just give me a few points. Go I don't like just change it to this or change gears a little bit. That's kind of the preferred way, and I think that's probably true. Because I think even if you work in a regular job, if you get someone who's trying to micromanage everything, you start going second guessing everything. Then you start losing your ability to do what you've been asked to do or do anyway. Yeah. And I think all the best directors or people in general of any job trust you to do your job. If you're going slightly off, they'll kind of go, oh, do you, can you just alter that or change that? And that's probably the best way of doing things as opposed to kind of like going, no, come here. If you just do it, you know, kind of a... And that's just, I guess that's personalities as well, isn't it? It's reading yeah. the room, reading the person, or just if your pride and pride and vanity or your ego get in the way, that's when things get out of hand. And that goes with, I guess, any job you've worked in, anyone listening has worked in, there's always some like awful person who thinks they know better than you. And you're like, if you just leave me alone, because I work much better in a regular job. If I'm just left alone, <laughs> I'd go, we well, yeah, should just... do this and this, I'll come yeah, back you... in three hours and it's done. Whereas, you just uh, want the output. Yeah. It's yeah. just... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, Billy Campbell, we talked with uh, yeah. Billy Campbell on the Rocketeer Minute, and he's doing uh, he's doing the voiceover. Well, not voiceover, but it's you know the cartoon voices yeah. for uh, Rocketeer on Disney Which Plus. Hopefully, depending on how that's received, might kickstart a movie. I hope yes. Yeah, well, one can one can keep their fingers crossed. But he said he said the funny thing was he he said typically when you're on a movie. People don't want line readings. People don't want to hear, um, you know, don't, this, don't, don't do my job. Yeah. But he said when he said, this was the first time he had ever done voice work. And uh, he had the, you know, he's in, he's in Norway and the director's oh, in, yeah, he's, he's in, uh, he, he's, ta he's talking with the director in Hollywood and she's telling him, well, uh, could you do it more? Like, and he goes, could you just give me the line? Read? How do you want, how do you want me to say it? And so she's like, <laughs> well, I want you to do this. And so she gives him the line and he's like, Oh, like this. And he says it exactly the way she says it. Yeah. And she said, yeah, that's it. And he said, well, what's the next one? Well, how do you want me to do that? And so he said, basically I was acting as an interpreter for the director. He goes, and I didn't feel any, and you know, I, I didn't feel put upon or that yeah. I was, you know, I was having my acting question, but he said it made it so easy. I just, whatever she said, I parroted <laughs> back whatever. And boom, we were done in an hour. Yeah. So, you know, but I, of course, everything, not, not everything is like that. Well, I but, do think uh, sometimes people can get, again, this is with any line of work, people get so deeply involved in it, trying to make it more lofty than it actually is, opposed to just going, look at the practicalities of things. I think Kurt Russell even said this, which I probably agree with it more than anything. He said, as long as you know your lines inside out and backwards, they just go, right, you can just go and do it. So you can just add the emotional with it. Because can you try that angrier or less sad? And you, if you know your lines inside out and backwards, I know sometimes that's not possible because sometimes they rewrite constantly and they go, oh, in your hotel room, they'll put under your hotel room door, oh, I've done some rewrites and there's like 11 pages you have to learn by tomorrow. <laughs> like, what? So then that's when the problems come in because you're thinking of your next line and people can see that in your eyes on camera, especially. Whereas if it's just second nature and you've learned it, and I imagine this was there any job, 
you're not you're just doing it like as an automaton and then you, they just go oh can you do it like this you go yeah sure bang but uh yeah i think if sometimes in anything again people pour too much you know whatever too much uh i guess too much meaning into things it then loses its meaning it just becomes uh there's no flow to it that there's no flow state to it yeah 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 and my uh a friend of mine worked on uh clarissa explains it all the nickelodeon show yeah, yeah. and the dad on the show could not remember lines to save his life so <laughs> he had he had cue cards all well, they were cues like little, yeah. that's the reserve yeah for, for the great and good isn't it yeah, he he. Well, he had um, he had a bunch of index cards. And... My next <laughs> well, he'd have he'd have the uh, he had the index cards scattered all around on his marks on the floor, mm. and so when he'd be talking and he'd be he, he'd be like looking up at the ceiling and looking at the floor and looking over at the sofa and things like that, and he just was he played dad as very pensive. But if you ever watch reruns of Clarissa Explains, well, watch mm. the dad because all he's doing is, is he's reading lines off different parts of the furniture, <laughs> the props on the room. And it's just—I <laughs> can't watch that show anymore because that's all. You that's all I think it, of when yeah. I see it. Like once you've been told about it, all you see is that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. Wow. Well, uh, this has been a fascinating minute. I mean, it we're, has. we're here. We're getting down to the end, and and all we're doing, you know, Doctor Stone is talking about it'll even cover up our mistakes, and it's like, well, Stone's the guy that invented it, so I don't know where he's coming up with this we stuff. Mm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all his fault. Um, but now he's got to he's got to rely on Hall to uh, fix everything in the net. Well, in the stunning conclusion, which will be coming up next week. Yes. Um, but uh, Ethan, thanks for bringing us here to the threshold of it all. Well, we we uh, kind of began, and now we're, we're kind of finished. Well, we started about ten or twelve minutes in. We're now finishing out the last ten or twelve minutes. Out oh, of the last right. seven at least. But uh, thank you for having me, Jim. It's always been good to do a, a half a week with you again. I I love doing these things. Any show I'll come on because I I learn more about life, the universe, and everything than. Uh, anything else i do so it's always a pleasure if you ever need me i'll uh, happily jump on board and uh, you know risk oh, death on... by catching the andromeda strain again who knows <laughs> you're you're on my speed dial always ethan you know that thanks baby wow and when people <laughs> want to listen when people want to listen to you in other venues and places where can they find you yes if you're not sick of me by now you can hear me on uh, jim's show actually uh, is it bestminutes.com sorry yeah. best <laughs> again the, the best the best the best minutes. the best minutes. Uh, you can hear me on the Andromeda Strain uh, in the early part of the show, 13, 14, 15, I believe. We've done the Rocketeer yes. Minute. We've done bloody everything. But if you just want a slice of me fully and 400 episodes of me, uh, go to YouTube and type in the Two Minute Terminator where I discuss the Terminator films uh, two minutes at a time. Half the work, and it, it, was, it was a lovely pun within the title. Uh, and if uh, you want to hear me interview people, uh, you can go to Questionable on uh, YouTube, Ethan McKinley's Questionable and uh, see me interview people from various walks of life on there. And there we have it. It is unavoidable entertainment if, if you're listening on those shows. I, I, it's it's very entertaining and, and just lots of fun to listen to. It's I like, great. Yeah, um, I like to think, uh, well, I, I think our episodes especially crackle along. I have so, yes. I have more, I have so much fun doing these, Jim, I'm telling you. It's uh, it's like a walk through uh, movie and uh, cultural history. It's 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 exciting. It's yeah. great. It's it's great drive time. Stuff, Even if it so, goes uh, off the movie, it's kind of on topic, and we always come back to it, and we still learn a few things before we come back to the empty corridors of the Andromeda Strain. But yeah, the <laughs> last two episodes, I've oh had a blast. Wonderful. Awesome. We've got our flow wow. now. I like it. 
Well, well, we'll be back in some some distant venue in the future. We will we will we will return. I'm sure. Yes. Like, like James Bond movies. Uh, but we will <laughs> we'll be back. Um, for folks who have missed any of the previous uh, of Ethan's appearances on the show, you can always find them at the big site at andromedaminute.com or on. Uh, what you call it, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or TuneIn or wherever you get your podcast, you could probably find the previous show. So go in there, subscribe, like. Please, if you see a place to review the show, uh, drop some extra stars on us and uh, and give a give a good review. That always helps uh, more people find this show. Uh, we will return on Monday. Uh, by the way, if you want to talk back on social media, we are available always on uh, Project Wildfire at. Uh, uh, Facebook or on Twitter at Andromeda Minute. Uh, love hearing from you talking about what's what your thoughts are on the show. And as we're coming to the conclusion, uh, please get in get in your uh, your comments. It'd be interesting to see how you're feeling about the show so far. Um, anyway, we will see you here here next Monday. In the meantime, please do the three things we always ask you to do so that we can get rid of this current plague and not wind up having to build an atomic bomb to get rid of it. Uh, but we'll <laughs> but uh, do those three things. Uh, wash your hands for at least twenty seconds. Uh, stay six feet away from people you don't live with and wear a mask. Um, my wife just made me a new mask, so I'm going to wear that. It's got Star Trek stuff on it. Yay! Um, yay. So uh, anyway, we'll see you here Monday on the Andromeda Minute. Goodbye, everybody. Have a lovely weekend. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.